This is the Ignition Show. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to our podcast. My name is Chris Jansen, host of the Ignition Show, and our aim is to bring you a regular dose of ideas, insights, and inspiration you can actually use in the pursuit of your full potential and ignite the flame within you to live your best and full life. In addition to bringing you in-depth conversations with amazing guests, every other week, I'm going to sit down in front of the microphone and share with you some of the most important lessons and nuggets of wisdom I've encountered from training more than 10,000 people over the last decade, and also from the thousands of hours of intimate one-on-one conversations I've had with my coaching clients. So grab a pen or simply sit back and take in today's message. Let it sink in and ask yourself, how does this show up in my life? How can I apply the points that resonate with me to my life today? And what would happen if I did? All right, let's go. Let's dive in. Let's move over to the coach's corner. So if you've been paying attention to the news these last couple of days or weeks, or you've been watching your social media feed, I'm going to bet that there's somewhere has popped up on your feed an article that's been circulating, probably various articles that are circulating, about an experiment that Microsoft recently ran in Japan. And the sexy headline was that they experimented with a four-day work week and productivity increased by 40%. Fascinating headline, really interesting study, but a great example of something I wanted to talk today about productivity and the pursuit of continually improving performance. So I've dove into some of the articles that were written about the experiment. And one of the things that's important to notice is that it's not just the fact that they shorten the work week down to four days and suddenly people improve their performance is that there was multiple things that happened. First of all, it was part of a month-long challenge. So there was a little campaign that was around this. Everyone was rallying behind an idea and an experiment to improve in a certain way. There was also two other elements beyond just shortening the work week. One was there was a, a reduction of meeting times where meetings were reduced to 30 minutes rather than the typical hour or even longer. And secondly, people were encouraged to spend less time replying to emails. And... What this experiment shows to me right off the bat is really points to two things. Number one is how much readily available, low-hanging fruit gains can be made by an intentional increase in both intention and focus. And two, if you do want to improve your productivity and your output, and you want to change the way you're working, this is best approached by testing assumptions. I'm going to expand on a couple of these points. what this also triggered for me was I have, I've had a chance over the years to do a lot of work with Microsoft uh, in, in Ireland, in the UK, and in India. And I've run workshops with their teams looking at how do we improve performance, how do we sustain high performance. And one of the questions I often ask groups, and not just Microsoft, but others as well, is one of the most thought-provoking conversations we have is ask the question, how much time in a typical week do you spend on, if you combined it kind of in one lump, spend in meetings and on emails. How much time do you spend in a typical week on meetings and on emails? And I'll ask you to think about the same thing. What percentage of your time would you say typically, in a typical month, would you spend per week uh, on those two things? And the the answer usually ranges, and this is people in in an office setting, usually ranges between 50 to 80%, with probably most people around 70%, 70 to 75%. The subsequent question, of course, is then of that time you spend in meetings and on emails, what percentage of that time do you think is spent highly effectively? How many highly effective meetings are you in? How much highly effective time do you spend on email? And typically the answer is 
25, 30%. And I've asked this question to hundreds of groups all around the world. And for me, the response is always the same. Shouldn't that be alarming? That 70 to 75% of our time is spent 20 to 30% effectively. That absolutely should be alarming. But sadly, people kind of look back at me blankly saying, how do we fix this? We're so caught in our own habits and our own ways of, of operating that we create inertia and we forget that there are a lot of assumptions that we're working under. You know, one of the things that uh, also reminds me of is Parkinson's law, which is, as you've probably heard some expression of it, is that work expands to fill the time available for its completion. You know, if you have not just work, but in your personal life, if you get up when your alarm goes off and you've got an hour and a half to get out the door, how long does it take you to get out the door? Probably an hour and a half. If you sleep through your alarm or it doesn't go off for some reason, you wake up, you've got 15 minutes to get out the door. How much time does it take you to get out the door? Probably 15, maybe 20 minutes. And the point is here is that, you know, we all talk about, um, in our culture, we talk a lot about ADD, attention deficit disorder. I think one of the biggest, bigger challenges in our cultures at large is IDD, intention deficit disorder. That people are not operating with enough intention as to how they are going to approach their days, what their goal is for the day or their outcomes for the day, what they truly, truly, truly need to focus on, put their energy in, apply their resources to. When I ask people, what's the first thing you do when you start your workday? You know, whether that's at home or at the coffee shop or the office, doesn't matter where, but when you get into work mode, what's the first thing you do? 90% of people say, open my email. And why is that? Let's test that assumption. Why is it that most people, the first thing they do is to open up their email and your email inbox, as you have to remember, is your email inbox is nothing more than a convenient organizing system for other people's demands. The first thing you're doing when you're looking at your email is saying, what are other people demanding of me? What do I have to get back to? What do I have to respond to? What new information is coming overnight? What new coupons have come in from the programs I've subscribed to? What new urgencies from clients or customers have come in? Whatever the case may be. But what that does right away is it triggers our mind to get into reactive mode. And quite simply, suddenly rather than having one or two or three clear priorities for the day, now our mind is bombarded with 10 or 15 or other num numerous number of uh, distractions, of opportunities to burn energy where it doesn't get it, need to be applied. And we just start a day off the wrong foot. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I could probably use a boost in my own productivity. A couple of things I get you to think about. Number one is, first of all, just questioning, what do you really mean by being productive? What does that truly, truly mean to you? You know, for a lot of people and a lot of organizations I've worked with, the whole conversation about productivity, I need to be more productive, typically doesn't go much deeper than I need to get stuff done. And if, when it doesn't go deeper than I need to get stuff done, stuff very easily equates to anything. Anything makes me feel productive. I can be banging out emails all day long, responding to other people's demands. And I feel like I'm really, really busy. But if you challenge yourself at the end of the day, were you truly productive? Were you truly getting meaningful things done? And I like to think of productivity as, productivity is too short of a phrase. I like to think of it as productive quality output. Productivity is about output. It's not about input. Input is being busy. Input is spending energy on lots of different things. Answering emails, going to meetings, placing phone calls, writing reports, preparing presentations. 
That's doing things. What is the productive output? Because we've all had those days, I know I've had them, where I've been feeling really, really busy all day, but he asked me, asked me, what did I get done? The answer often is, I don't know. I didn't get much done. I got stuff done, but I didn't get much done. And this really comes back to attention deficit disorder versus intention deficit disorder. What is your intention when you start your workday? What is your intention when you start your weekend? What is your intention when you go home at the end of the workday? And building a practice, a deliberate practice of setting your intention or, or at least consciously choosing what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying, what kind of output are you trying to create? What kind of connection are you trying to create if it's a family event or a social event? How are you going to show up? If you're a leader at work, what is your intention for being a leader today? Wherever you're listening to this, the next time you're meeting with your team, what is your intention? How are you going to show up as a leader? Do you ever stop to think about that? Really, truly think about that. So all I have to say that everything starts with intention. You got to know what you're trying to achieve, what your goal is, your outcome, your objective, whatever, your, whatever way you might express it. And what does a quality version of that mean? What is the quality productive output that's going to get you to that accomplishment? And if you want to increase your productivity further, if you really want to experiment with this, if you're inspired by the sexy headlines of Microsoft circulating this, this past week, there's just three things I would get you to think about. Three questions to, to, to ponder. And as often as the case, if you ever want to find a solution, a better solution, a better way of doing something, you first need to really understand the problem. As Einstein once said, if I had one hour to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes defining the problem and five minutes on the solution. So the first step is really defining the problem. So the first question you need to ponder is, what am I doing when I'm not being productive? What do I go to? You know, if I was there with you, if I was your coach, and I told you that, you know, I'm not very good at not being productive. I'm a super productive person. Now, truth is, I have my, my bad days and bad moments too. I need to remind myself of some of this stuff as well. But if I was sitting there next to you and saying, I don't know how to be not productive. Show me how you do it. What would you show me? Well, if you're looking for some inspiration on this, there was a study a couple of years ago by a company in the UK, a research company, and they pulled 1,989 office workers in the UK. And they asked people, do you consider yourself to be productive throughout the entire workday? To which the majority, 79%, admitted that they weren't. Just the fifth, 21%, believed that they were productive throughout the day. They also asked respondents, if you had a state of figure, how long do you think you spend productively working during, a, uh, during work hours on a daily basis? And on average, the answer was two hours and 53 minutes of actual productivity. So then they dove a little deeper and they asked, they asked a great question. What are you, and that's probably a better question than I've, I've posed to you. They asked, what are you guilty of spending time doing during the workday rather than working productively? And what people said was this. Number one was checking social media. 47% of people said social media. 45% uh, said reading news websites. 38% discussing out-of-work activities with colleagues. 31% making hot drinks. They like their tea in the UK. 28% said smoking breaks. And then texting, messaging, uh, eating snacks, making food, making calls to friends, and some even searching for new jobs. But probably, uh, but four to five hours of lost productivity by doing some simple, low-hanging, readily available changes. So the question for you to ponder is, what are you doing or what are you guilty of doing when you're not being productive? Take a moment, if you're listening to this with a notebook in front of you, maybe just pause this recording, just start a brainstorm. What do you do? If you had to show me, what are you doing? The second question is, 
before you just jump to saying, what are you going to stop doing? The second question is, let's go a little further on the analysis. What causes you to go to those things? Why do you spend so much time reading websites or your social media? Or texting messages or replying to notifications? Why do you do that? Well, in the study back in the UK, 54% explained that doing those kind of things made the day, quote, more bearable. And when someone says they make the quote, their day more bearable, what well, that screams out to me, if they've lost connection with their sense of purpose, they've not lost connection with what they're really trying to do, or what's the point of them being there in the first place? What is the purpose of their work? When you lose connection of the purpose of work, it's very easy for your meetings to go from 30 minutes to 60 minutes. When you lose sight of the mission that you're trying to achieve, or the vision that you're trying to create, it's very easy to drift and to get bloated into how you spend your time. So what causes you to go to those things when you're not being productive? You know, part of the work that I've done internationally has been really about managing energy. And the, one of the core tenets of managing energy is that for us to operate with full, full fuel in our tank, fully charged batteries, ready to take on the day or to power ourselves through hours and hours of work day after day. One of the core tenets and principles of managing energy is you've got to intermittently recharge yourself. You've got to have times where you disengage, what I would call renewal, where you recharge yourself, renew yourself, you re recover from an energy setback. And that's exactly what these four-day work weeks are intended to do, is to give more time for a better work-life balance. In fact, this Microsoft challenge is called the Work-Life Challenge, Work-Life Choice Challenge. And when you're feeling depleted a lot of the time, it's very hard to maintain focus. It's virtually impossible to maintain a sense of absolute focus and intention on what you're trying to achieve. It, it's, just, it's just the way we're wired. Our mind is very, uh, is very susceptible to distractions and compulsions to go to things that take our attention away from what we're truly trying to do to create that productive quality output. So you've got to get curious. What causes you to go to those things? So as a way to do that, I just reflect on, reflect on the past week. Reflect on the past seven days when you started to go to distractions, when you weren't being productive, what caused you to go there? Was it a lack of discipline? Was it a lack of intention for the day? Was it a lack of clear goals or tasks or to-dos for the day? Was it a lack of agenda for your meetings? It's a lack of something. Something is missing. What is it? The third question to start to turn the corner and look towards a solution is, uh, the question I would ask is, what is an experiment you could rally behind? What's an experiment you could rally behind? When people want to make a change, the, the easiest way to start is to not look at it as a lifelong commitment. That suddenly you're going to say you're going to hunker down, you're going to work 40 hours of absolute productivity for the rest of your life. Start with an experiment, a bite-sized piece that you could choose, just like Microsoft in Japan. They said, we're going to do this for one month. If they said we're going to do this for the rest of the year, I would guarantee that after three, four, five, six weeks, uh, um, engagement, attention, and intention behind that challenge would wane because it takes energy to, to build new muscle, to build new practices. So start with an experiment you can rally behind. And as an idea starter, some of the most powerful ones that I've seen and I've mentioned here before, one is when you do have meetings, is to set very limited time on it. Reduce the amount of time that you think you can by 25%. If it's an hour meeting, make it a 45-minute meeting. If it was intended to be a half-hour meeting, 
Make it a 21-minute meeting or an 18-minute meeting. And I guarantee you that by shortening the amount of time by 25%, you will increase the amount of focus by an equal 25%, if not more. I hear about it all the time. The second thing I might suggest is how often you do check emails. How often do you check or engage in emails? Now, I recognize a lot of work these days is, is involving emails. It's sending out information. It's receiving information, etc. But how often do you refresh and look for new emails? You know, I may have mentioned in my previous podcast that I did an experiment once many years ago when I was working with a team. I had a team of 18 direct reports, and we all sat in the same office, office space. And I told my team I was, wasn't going to check my email, or I was only going to check my emails three times a day. Beginning of the day, kind of middle of the day, and maybe late afternoon. Now, the reality was I had to get in there more often than that. But that's what I told my team. It was, it was a, genuine, um, a genuine intention and a genuine guide that that's when they would be able to reach me through email. And two things happened. One was I immediately felt liberated to be more productive and put my attention on the higher value tasks and goals and objectives that I really need to be spending time on. I felt liberated and had much more time to spend on the things that were going to make um, way, uh, add much, much greater value, be much more higher product, productive quality output. But the second thing that really happened was that totally surprised me was that the number of emails that I received from my team immediately dropped by about 20%. Just by telling people I'm not going to be checking my emails within a three-hour window, 20% less emails from my team that was in the same open office space environment as myself. So my question for you is, do you really need to check your emails as much as you do? If so, you've got to test that, exper uh, test that assumption. You've got to experiment by checking less. I guarantee you're going to get productive, uh, productive output from that. Related uh, suggestions. Think about turning off notifications on your phone, or better yet, even deleting certain apps off your phone that are you find you are going to much more necessarily than you than you need to need to, way more often than you need to. And probably the biggest thing, the, the saving the best for last, the biggest thing that I've seen make a dramatic input on people's effectiveness and productivity is what we call first things first. It's starting your day with somewhere between 30 minutes to 60 minutes to maybe an hour and a half of uninterrupted focus on something of your highest value. First things first. What is your biggest challenge, your biggest goal, your biggest objective, the thing that's going to add the greatest value to your business, to your team, to your life? What is going to create the greatest, highest quality productive output? What is going to give you the biggest boost in your fulfillment, in your performance, and the results that you create in your business or your job or your life. And what if you start your day? Don't check your emails. Don't get involved in other things. Block off your calendar. And set that time for first things first. Highest priority first in the day. And what people tell me after from doing this experiment, even for a few weeks, people will say that after doing that high value thing first, I feel successful for the rest of the day. I'm in a much better mood for the rest of the day. It feels like other oh, problems come up. I'm better readily available, uh, readily uh, able to handle that. I become more resourceful by getting that thing. It's this whole cascade effect. When you feel significantly successful on something significant, first thing in the day, the rest of the day becomes that much easier. And you'll realize you don't need to put in all the hours that you're putting in because you're probably only being productive for two hours and 53 minutes to begin with. So, what are you going to do of all this? What are you going to apply for this? I'd love to hear your, uh, your thoughts on what makes you productive. What are the challenges you have productive? Please go to our website, 
at theignitionshow.com slash connect and leave me an audio message. Let me know what this is inspiring you or provoking you to do and think about. And I look forward to hearing from you and uh, helping you to continue to raise your bar about what you're trying to produce, what you're trying to achieve, and who you're trying to become in the pursuit of your greatest potential. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We always want you to get the most of the time you've invested here. So this show is only valuable if you apply what you learned. And most learning, as I mentioned, is generated from reflection. So we'd love to hear from you and your reflections on what you learned or found interesting. Please join our community and go to theignitionshow.com slash connect. That's theignitionshow.com slash connect. And let us know what struck you. And what was it that you heard today that you really needed to hear today? You can leave us an audio message or join our Facebook group and participate in the conversation there, where we'd love to hear your comments and follow-up questions. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show, rate the show, or leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website and respond to as many people as we can. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen, and this is The Ignition Show.